0: Welcome to another episode of the Ad Astra podcast. Today we have with us uh, Enrico Raffaele. He is a specialist on history of Zoroastrian and he is an Associate Professor of Historical Studies at the University of Toronto. Welcome. Welcome, Professor. (laughs) Hello. Thanks.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Mm
0: -hmm. So, So, um, can you tell us a little bit about your field of studies and and, and your your expertise in, in this particular field?
1: Yes. So, I will focus, of course, uh, on my research on astrology, but I would say that my research on astrology connects to my broader approach to the study of the ancient Iranian civilization. So I focus on the pre-Islamic period. So before uh, Islam became, Iran became an Islamic country in the mid 7th century of the common era. Uh, so that's my main um, well, period of interest and I have focused in my research on the earliest textual uh, testimonies on Zoroastrianism, which is the Avesta, right, the collection of sacred writings. And I've also focused on the Pahlavi sources, meaning the sources in the Middle Persian language. So in my research, I've always tried to um, highlight the role of Iran as a cultural mediator, right, between, I mean, I will I will simplify and say East and West, because Iran was the center of the seat of, uh, well, different empires throughout antiquity, right, until the coming of, uh, until the Arab invasion, right, of Iran. And so being also located really midway between the well, classical civilization and Mesopotamian world on the one hand, and also the East, meaning the Indian world um on the other side right so it uh, naturally came to exert the role of uh, again cultural mediators so that doctrines and uh, uh, well themes and scientific notions uh, travel through the territory of iran and they could be easily transmitted between uh, east and west right so now i've done quite a bit of research about uh, astrology in ancient iran I have to say and just as a warning that unfortunately we do not have many documents left right so we have properly as i mean strictly speaking astrological texts in ancient iranian pre-islamic iranian languages are very few we only have um, some chapters in some Middle Persian texts. We have some astronomical doctrines in earlier texts in the Avesta, but those are not really astrological. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so in my research, I have tried to focus again the role specifically of Iran as a mediator of astrological doctrines between the classical world and the Indian world and the presence of classical and uh, Indian doctrines in uh, pre-Islamic Iran. So one theme that I may, per exa- for example, I, I might start uh, from discussing a little bit more in detail and then if there is time I can say a few words about other stuff is one theme that I've studied in particular is the theme of the horoscope of the world oh. that is yes that uh, I'm yeah. sure that, yes, yes <laughs> part of the audience yes is familiar with this theme so it's a theme that actually uh, was, is first recorded in classical sources, right? So we have references to this notion, the idea that there is a theme of, a birth chart of the world, when the life of the world starts, so a description of the position of the planets when the world starts, right? And also the ascendant uh, are in the theme of birth of the world. So this notion is first mentioned in uh, first, in the first century of the common era, right? In class, in a classic in classical astrological texts. Um, Well, shortly after, we find um, another notion that is uh, uh, also present in in Zoroastrian astrology, in pre-Islamic Iranian astrological texts, that is the birth chart of uh, exceptional characters. We find it in Sanskrit Indian texts, Uh, so specifically the Yavana Jataka, right? It's a text that uh, Whose chronology has been, in a sense, the traditional chronology of this text has been challenged recently. But it, it is certain that this text, actually, as the title itself says, has a Western origin. Origin, Yavana Jataka, right? So it's from so the Jataka of the Greeks. So anyway, um, how do the two notions? Uh, what is the connection between the two notions? Well. In Iran, the theme, the classical notion of horoscope of the world and the Indian notion of birth chart of exceptional characters were merged at some point during the Sassanian period. Sassanian period means between the 3rd century and the 7th century of the Common Era. So the two notions, one coming from the West, from the Greek classical world, and one coming from India, were merged together so that a combined horoscope was created for the first human being Whose name in the Pahlavi uh, language is Gayomarda? That's the name. It's just the first human, the first man. So I have to say first man because it's, it's just a kind of. So there there is no woman. So there is no first woman in the Western mythology. Anyway, so uh, this man is his life starts at the same time as the world. So they have the basically it's the same birth chart. So, um, if I can get into technicalities, I don't know if really, um, I don't please want do, to do be... Please
2: do, please <laughs> do. Okay.
1: So, the classical birth chart of the world, in the classical horoscope of the world, the planets are all in the sign of their domicile, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, whereas in the Indian um, birth chart of exceptional characters, as described for the first time in the Yavana Jataka, the planets are all in in the sign of their exaltation. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, uh, yes, so what we find in Iran is the notion of um, horoscope of the world, but the planets are not uh, in the same position as in the classical horoscope of the world, but they are actually in their exaltation. So, now, uh, this notion is later uh, transmitted to, uh, well, I could say Byzantine and Islamic astrology because we find the iranian uh, birth chart of the world with all the planets in exaltation in some arabic astrological texts we find it in one um, byzantine text uh, that is well it's published in the uh, catalogus uh, uh, codicum astrologorum so uh, we find this um, the iranian birth chart of the world in greek translated in Byzantium, uh, in this text that is in the Vatican, so Vaticanus Grecos 1, so 1191. That's actually the number of the code. Anyway, we find the Iranian birth chart in um, um, Arabic text, Byzantine text, and later we also find some Latin translation of uh, uh, Arabic texts containing the Iranian birth chart of the world where the planets are in exaltation in Latin, right? so. You see so this notion starts from the west then it's modified in iran based on some indian notions and then somehow goes back to the west because we find uh, it in uh, latin translation of arabic texts that are translated in turn from middle persian right or influenced by middle persian astrology Uh, so this is now given a, a little bit of technicalities but probably more exciting or at least more interesting is to know what it what the birth chart of the world means in the context of uh, Zoroastrian astrology. So Zoroastrian is is a religion that, I mean, all those who have some knowledge of this religion know is based on a dualistic, radically dualistic uh, view of the world, right? So the fight between good and evil. So what happened uh, in uh, uh, Sasanian astrology, so in the Sasanian time, was that at some point, again, this might have happened probably in the Sasanian period, the planets were demonized, meaning that they were considered as demons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, what happens also, I'll have to introduce another notion, that is the uh, beginning of the life of the world and of the first man, Uh, coincides with the moment of the attack of the forces of evil on the cosmos. So, the cosmos is good because it's been created by God, but at some point, point, demonic forces attack the world, so they bring evil into the world. So, what happens? At the beginning of the life of the universe, when evil attacks, the planets are in the position of their exaltation. What does that mean? The planets are in a position of strength. The planets are demons, which means so the birth chart of the world, in a sense, reflects the evil that is, in a sense, part of the condition of the world starting from the beginning of its existence when the Mm -hmm. evil forces attack. So that's actually a notion that serves, in a sense, suits the purpose of uh, the, in a sense, of illustrating what is the view of the cosmos according to Zoroastrians well, in the very,
3: very interesting because it does it, it does differ from this context that uh, we have in medieval times because I'm a medievalist that uh, they always uh, return to the beginning like the beginning was the perfect time and from the beginning on it was corruption or sin mm-hmm. or evil. so it was like the perfect the, the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And uh, that notion of perfection, initial perfection, pristine perfection, so it was good, and then there was problems, let's put it this way. So for, for, this, um, for this variant, for the, the one that you're describing, the, the beginning of the world itself, it, it is evil in itself. Yep. Exactly. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Completely different. Exactly.
1: And I may add, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to give too many technical details, but I may add another couple of references to notions that I think historians of astrology are familiar with uh, that are also described in Pahlavi texts uh, and that are also then later uh, described or at least mentioned in other sources that are influenced by um, Iranian culture. Anyway, one is the notion of the, the, Chronocratoria, so I don't know if I should use uh, the English Chronocratoria, absolutely, yes. The measure of time, yes. Yes, and specifically, yes, specifically the rule over some periods of time of constellation or planets. So in the Pahlavi sources, in the Middle Persian sources from the Sasanian times, or at least in one of them, we find this pretty peculiar notion that Saturn is the lord of the The first millennium of existence of the world. So that when the life of the world exists, Saturn is the lord of that millennium. Why Saturn? Well everybody knows all those with familiarity with the history of astrology know that saturn is an evil planet Mm -hmm. and so it's called the chief of the evil planet and in the zoroastrian cosmic text cosmological astrological text is considered as the general of the planets so Mm -hmm. meaning their head so by being the lord of the first millennium well in a sense marks its influence saturn marks marks its influence over a period of well, over the beginning of the history of the world that is marked by the presence of evil.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this is one detail and again we find it in the same Byzantine text that I mentioned earlier and uh, well, this is a sign that the notion that Saturn is the lord of the seventh millennium is also found in this Byzantine text. Another notion that in, in this case it's even more famous, so to say, is the Melotasia, right? So the the rule of the planets and uh, celestial bodies over parts of the body and one thing in my research in one article that i published three years ago i've written what i'm going to say um, and i would like perhaps to expand this explanation uh, in future publications or maybe presentations i don't know anyway the notion that so traditionally this idea we find that a few references to the Melothasia in Pahlavi texts. So we have Pahlavi texts that say that, for example, Jupiter rules over this part of the body, Saturn is the lord of this part of the body, etc. So traditionally, it's been um, this, these references to the planets ruling over some parts of the body have been tra- interpreted as a um, sign and indication that indeed. Uh, there, so basically, the, the, text con- contain, the text that contain the texts mens- that contain these mentions of the rules of planets over parts of parts of the body would actually imply a positive um, view of the planets, right? So because so in other words, these passages would be an exception to the rule because general as a general rule, the planets are demons in Pahlavi sources. But then, according to some scholars, these couple of passages that describe the rule of the planets over the body would be. an be basically in contradiction with the negative view but actually what i have argued briefly in a publication again in an article i published three years ago um i don't think that's the case actually the the melothesia in the pahlavi texts is consistent with the view negative view of the planets because after all the notion again uh, that is uh, uh, consequential to the idea that there was an initial attack of the demonic forces over the cosmos so one consequence of this view is that the human body is corrupt so in other words it's dirty it's polluted by uh, so by evil so the fact that some planets rule over parts of the body is a reflex of the fact that the body itself is dirty so Mm -hmm. so
3: That that is also very interesting because you also find something that is not exactly the same, but is similar in some medieval texts, because they say the pain uh, of the body. So they associate some planets or signs, sometimes there are not planets, but signs
2: mm-hmm. with the yeah.
3: pain uh, in body, not a good thing, but pain. So
1: mm-hmm.
3: maybe there's some connections to this idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, I would be happy to hear more about that because I, I wasn't familiar with this, these notions. So, these are some themes that I've um, tried to highlight in some past studies. So, the notion of a horoscope of the world and uh, the notion of the Rur, the Chronocratoria, right, and also the notion of Melothesia as indications of uh, the, um, well, uh, so as notions that are in line with the Zoroastrian cosmic view of the fight between good and evil and the idea that the world is uh, influenced by evil forces. Mm-hmm. Um, Yep. i mean I don't know i can take a break and yeah go ahead the,
3: I have a lot of questions <laughs> does the uh, this notion um, of the um initial uh problem or attack or the initial primal evil so to say does they offer any kind of redemption solution yeah. mm-hmm.
1: yes what is it? <laughs> yes yes um so basically what will happen is that uh, um well okay let's start from the first solution meaning that uh, the current state of the world is considered as being a state of mixture meaning that it, there is no so evil doesn't completely rule over uh, our world evil is present right but it doesn't really completely so our world is not really dominated entirely by evil forces so for starters after the initial attack Uh, on the cosmos, there was a fight, so the good celestial and also good uh, divine beings fought back, so that eventually they managed to temporarily defeat the evil forces. But then, of course, the evil forces are present in the cosmos, so they're not really eliminated. But they will eventually be eliminated, so the the defeat will be definitive at the end of time. So after a time period of 6,000 years, the word uh, there will be a kind of final apocalyptic battle between all the good forces and the evil forces, including the planets, and they will uh, be, well, eventually, luckily, the evil forces will be defeated. So what will happen is that, again, the demons, including the planets once more, will be uh, defeated. And um, uh, so what happens? because we're interested in what happens in heaven, right? So there will be, the, the sky will get close to the earth. Some sources even say that the sky and the earth basically touch each other. And um, the uh, there will be no movement anymore. So there will be an eternal zing. So basically the sun will be at the top of the sky.
2: Ah.
1: <laughs> and uh, there will be light 24 hours, seven. And again, there will be no planets anymore because after <laughs> all, defeated. And even if they were there, they wouldn't move. So, Mm -hmm.
3: but in in this this is absolutely uh, different from what we have learned from medieval and Mm -hmm. Hellenistic astrology and fascinating, but uh, it's completely different. And uh, so when the planet is strong for them is wrong, it's bad Mm -hmm. when it's weak, because if they are in the opposite Mm sign, they will, is it better somehow? And also retrograde.
0: Yeah, I was wondering, <laughs> how does that affect their astrological interpretation? Yes,
3: their notion of horoscope. If, there is,
0: um, if this, cosmology, this cosmological view changes the way they interpret uh, an horoscope,
1: uh, or are, are they two separate things? Uh, okay, yes, definitely, it's like, that's actually an in, a very important question, because I have to say that what I've been describing is what we find in uh, the religious sources, because I should have specified that almost all of the Zoroastrian sources in middle Persian language are uh, well, religious sources. Mm-hmm. Um, or meaning that there are texts that are embrace a religious perspective. We have a few fragments of um, non-religion so, so bahlavi texts, and one of these texts, incidentally, I'm going to make a short digression, one of these texts that is an epic text that describes the rise to power of the first Sasanian emperor, Ardashir, does include a couple of references to astrology, and you have the king of the dynasty before the Sasanian asking the court astrologers what do you predict for me and for the world, and they predict the coming of a new king. Plus, at some point this Ardashir, who was supposed to be a slave. I mean, a servant of the previous king. Uh, well, runs away, and uh, the the king asks uh, the the court astrology to be uh, to tell him based on the movements of the stars where his uh, well the person at his service has run away. So this uh, is yeah, very
3: it's a very... question, interrogations, yes,
1: interrogation of, the astrology. Form
3: of astrology. Yeah. Yes.
1: So in an, so I'll go back to the previous point. So the perspective of the planets as evil is a religious perspective but in the actual daily life of Sasanian, of the Sasanians we are pretty much certain that that was not the notion oh, of, uh, of the commoners. So I will just say that uh, well we have s- traces through Islamic sources that planets were not really considered as evil and we even have some um, well fragments fragmentary texts that are very late where there are actually invocations to the planets for protection so mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of magic astrology right if you that, think about it true. so this invocation to the planets mean you cannot invoke a demon right for protection so there is a in that it's case. not a good
3: idea anyway.
1: <laughs> exactly exactly so there are some traces of uh, a positive consideration of, mm-hmm. of the power of the planets but anyway um regarding the praxis again I don't think that Sasanian astrologers in their daily practices would be really influenced by this notion. And um, what may be, so if we want to really stick to the religious sources, because that's what we know better, I can tell you, give you maybe a couple of examples of explanations that we find. First of all, there is a dilemma, so it's difficult for, even for the... mm, Priest astrologers who wrote the Pahlavi texts, or better the priests with astrological competence who wrote the Pahlavi texts with astrological passages for them it was hard to coincide, coincide in a sense to um, in a sense to match the astrological consideration of Jupiter and Venus as good planets with the view that the planets are evil. So what they made, so what they did is that they said, okay, they're good, but that's because they were defeated in the initial battle against the Ah. deities, defeated by their, I mean, deities who were their enemies. So eventually they were defeated, so they were forced to distribute good, although they didn't want to.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: what about the luminaries
1: well the luminous so oh, the luminaries are always excluded so I one see. thing that yeah they're excluded from they're not considered as planets they're included in the birth charts but they're not planets we have the notion that there are seven planets but this number is uh, um so you the, is reached by adding to the number of the five planets that were known in antiquity uh, the 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 two lunar nodes right so you have the uh, the head and tail of the dragon, right? That's actually yeah. the notion that was introduced. Anyway, so that's uh, the way they were called in Sasan in Iran.
3: And the the, the the head and tail of the dragon, in medieval times, the tail is normally bad and the head is generally good. So is it the same here or is it... No, they are
1: they're bad? Both, they're both bad, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no escape. Yeah, exactly. They were considered to basically to be swallowing the luminaries, so they were...
3: During the eclipses, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Exactly.
1: And they're actually the, the, the head and tail of the dragon, they're also called the dark sun and the dark moon. Okay. So, so were, yeah. Oh, I Makes sense. And so,
2: after,
3: probably they will attribute extremely bad uh, interpretations to eclipses because of this. Of
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's I mean, caused by this. Remote.
3: What about retrograde mo- movement? When the planets have this apparent uh, apparent retrograde movement, is it less bad because they are...
1: No, actually, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. Actually, no, it's an important question what you're asking, because um, the rational scientific explanation that we find in the Pahlavi sources for why the planets are actually evil, one of them is that by moving backwards backwards there they contradict the prime prime primum
2: mobile
1: yes yes, yes. exactly exactly mm-hmm. basically because otherwise they would have a regular movement by going back this is this is a sign of disorder so they in a sense they oppose the natural order of things that would be just a regular constant oh, movement. Think,
2: yeah.
1: yeah and um yeah well, another thing i don't know if i if you, if i can continue one thing mm-hmm. about planets and because when you were asking me a question about how the practice Uh, I mean, how the view of the planets influences the practice.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. The one one reference we have to the birth chart of an individual in the Pahlavi sources is the mm, description of the birth chart of the first man. Okay, we know already that the first man has the same horoscope of birth as the world, but uh, so this man keeps living, so he has a life that lasts 30 years, uh, so this, there was a traditional doctrine according to which the first man lived for 30 years. And then an astrological explanation was provided for why he lived for mm. 30 years. So at birth, Jupiter and Saturn were, were in the position of power, right? In exaltation, of course. But so, um, and <clears throat> so Jupiter at some point, uh, so Jupiter was strong and so as such could help uh, the first man Gaiomar to live, but after thirty years, Jupiter was in dejection, so the position opposite to exaltation, and after thirty years Saturn was actually back to the position of exaltation okay. so by being an, the chief of the evil planets, Saturn could exert its malefic influence and cause the death of the first man who was not protected anymore by Jupiter because Jupiter was in dejection, so <laughs> that's what that's the explanation that we
3: find. It's in interesting because it's very uh, rational. It's very scientific.
0: Yeah, and, and, and quite in tune with with an astrological explanation. And so that they are pushing the chart to they're treating it the mythical chart as a a, a regular chart would put at the time. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So and I suppose.
3: No, please, please go on. Uh, I will just
1: say that this suits the general uh, scheme, chronologically speaking, speaking of Zoroastrian cosmology, where you have a cosmic year, meaning the duration of the life of the universe is 12,000 years, right? So it's actually a number that is very, very, I would say, calendric slash astrological 12. And then the second part, the part where the demons have attacked and polluted the world is 6,000 years. And then you have units that are formed by well multiples of three, well the life of Gaiomath or the first man is 30, so it is actually, <laughs> so you, this numerical scheme is reproduced and in turn, I, again I don't need to give too many details, but the 6,000 years of the period of mixture when the evil has polluted the world, are in turn divided into three periods of 3,000 years. Mm-hmm. So
3: this would be the, the, the second group of 6,000 years, so before we had 6,000 years with no problems.
1: Exactly. With no problem, you know. Well, uh, so no problems at all because the planets didn't exist. So, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So the planets had not been, or better, even if they existed, they had not attacked the world yet. So the planets, yeah. Uh, Well, there is actually a detail that is a little bit uh, shocking and racy. I don't want to shock anyone, but it's...
2: uh, Well,
1: well, the detail about the formation, the way uh, the planets have been created, is that the chief demon, whose name is Ahriman in in Ah. the Persian language, has created... Yeah, Ahriman, yes. He has created the planets by self-sodomy. So (laughs) that was the offspring, yes. It's a very strange notion. Do
3: they they have images?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That would be interesting. In fact, oh, that would be an interesting
3: iconography, <laughs> and some
1: kind of smoke. <laughs> that would be a very that that be interesting. Be a very interesting image, but we have no. <laughs> it is said in a text that that's the way they came mm-hmm. to exist. Yeah. <laughs> and so,
3: do they explain why? <laughs> what, what motivated?
2: <laughs>
1: mm, I I know, I, I <laughs> okay. Well, of course, it's part of course of the taboo against that type of action, that type you know, of action. action is, and so it's instead of giving offspring like you would with regular intercourse you give an, an evil offspring evil, like, mm-hmm. oh, evil okay. intercourse so mm-hmm. yeah but they're actually um, they're actually it's quite unique in zoroastrian cosmology to be born that way but the planets are so
3: <laughs> well i think it's very unusual anyway and <laughs> yeah, you know in the bible what happened in sodom, sodom so it's not, ne- no good will come out of
1: it. No, no, no good. Yeah. No. The, the, the two luminaries are actually bo- created by Ahura Mazda, the supreme mm-hmm. god, mm-hmm. And in a regular way. Yes. I mean, yes. mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so he created the the, the luminaries, and the, there was like for 6,000 years, there was just peace and quiet and uh, light. Yeah, and, exactly,
1: and uh, exactly, because no. Ahimant, yeah, what happened is that uh, Ahriman tried to attack, but then Ahura Mazda uh, put him in a state of stupor. He recited a sacred prayer so that basically Ahriman fell and basically fell and he uh, was kind of unconscious for 3000 years. And during those those 3000 years, Ahura Mazda created the material world. He previously had created the spiritual world, but then he created the material world and the world existed in peace with no disturbance, but then the actual
3: and Perfect. no humans also no
1: humans no no people, well, actually no the, okay the first human that i've already mentioned actually to be precise he he did live for three thousand years before the attack but his condition in the mixed state so his condition in the world the way we know it was uh, uh, only for 30 uh, years because of the uh, because of the power of the planets uh, but um well i could go on on the cosmology i will just say oh, that okay. during those during those those 3,000 years there was no planet but the moon uh, and the, the Sun and also the stars by the way the stars are benefic right so they have a good power they existed and um, but in terms of uh, living beings there was one human one animal and uh, one plant after the attack yes yes one plant only after the attack what happened what animal, what
3: animal
1: was it they don't it think... was a, it was a a cow basically, so it was a cow-bull, although recently actually I've been reading an article that quite interestingly was claiming that indeed it's a bull, but traditionally what I've always, we have always interpreted this animal is that it's a sort of have both attributes like cow and bull. Hermaphrodite,
3: hermaphrodite Uh, cow. Uh,
1: Yes, (laughs) And And (laughs)
3: And and the plant.
1: The plant is not really said what species it is, it's just called the plant. And then after the attack, one of the good things that happened, so Gayomar, so the first man lives for 30 years, unfortunately, the animal and the plant, they are killed right away, but through their seed, all the plant species and animal species are born. And no women. (laughs) Uh, no, no. The women. Well, I'll, I will tell you what happens at the at the death of Gaiomar, the first man. What happens when, due to the evil power of Saturn, he dies? Uh, at some point, he uh, basically at death he fecundates, so he emits some semen that from which a plant is born, and from this plant of rhubarb, rhubarb plant, the first couple is born. So you see, that's the. Notion.
3: Oh, I see. Think... Yeah. Well, it's kind of <laughs> very um complex yeah and um
1: complex <laughs>
3: obviously <laughs> modifi- genetically um interesting
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> if if i don't know maybe i'm talking too much but, uh... oh, no, please
3: it's absolutely fascinating because we had just a very basic idea of uh of this this mythology and mm-hmm. uh these details they are they are absolutely fascinating, fascinating
0: yes. yes i wasn't aware of that those influences.
3: Yes, yeah. So are there correlations between this and the Bible? Because you know, they, they, they would say in the Bible, the the, the, the astrologers who, who pick on the Bible, they would say that God created the planet and God and because it's God, they are good. And because they are created by God, they are in their best possible position. So it's kind of another way of looking at this. Yeah the idea is still there mm-hmm. but they look at this from another perspective so <laughs> and the because and what they say is that uh, when um, when we had the biblical uh, what i call the biblical incident with the apple <laughs> you know when they um the plan they, they are expelled from the paradise mm-hmm. and the planets it's begin they, they are, are they yeah. are set in motion yeah it's true. basically it's from motion that comes the problem
1: mm-hmm. Ah, okay, so that's actually, that's a good point. I don't know, I wouldn't know if there's really a direct connection with the Bible, right? Because in the biblical story, but the notion of, um, um, of the movement of the celestial body starting at the beginning, after the attack of the demons, that's definitely present in Zoroastrian. So as soon as the attack comes, then the celestial world starts to move.
3: Yeah, and probably because this this uh, biblical uh, narrative also associates the movement of the planets because they move out of their perfect place. The movement is in the movement that the
0: problem lies.
3: It's the problem. Yeah,
0: it's the movement that causes change. So before the expulsion of paradise, everything is motionless because it's perfect, and then they're expelled and things start to change, and the planets and the skies also move
1: according to, to, to cause or to signify that change.
2: According
1: yeah. to yeah, it's, it's a similar notion, yes, basically. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to say, because I talked a lot of the planets, I've mentioned the stars, but I will, I have to mention, because no description of Zoroastrian cosmology and astronomy slash astrology can be considered as complete if one doesn't say that the notion of that, that the stars are good, Mm-hmm. The stars, aside from the shooting stars, because that's an exception. The shooting stars are evil, but the stars but uh, they move! They move. <laughs> it's true, it's true. But it's disorderly movement. So anyway, and it's uh, and plus it's a mo- one, another thing is that they move, but they also appear to fall on the earth, so they break the boundaries between heaven and earth. So that's 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 bad. You shouldn't do that. so <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's, uh, bad star, bad star.
1: Yes, bad behavior. So now the stars are good, of course, because they have been created by God. And um, well, this notion is first expressed actually much earlier than the Pahlavi texts, Uh, in the Avesta, we have actually some hymns to the sun, uh, the moon, and to the star Sirius. The star Sirius is basically the protagonist star. She she or it, I don't know how to call it. It is even present in the birth chart of the world in the Pahavi sources, so because it's so important. But we have in the Avesta a full hymn that is actually also from the literary point of view, a very good text. Right? Like, I mean, it's from the point poetic point of view, it's an excellent work. Uh, and it's a hymn to Sirius and it describes how Sirius defeats the shooting stars who are causes of drought. And uh, so Sirius is one of the, is basically the leader of the stars who Whose regular movement is a reflection of the cosmic order, exactly the opposite of the planets, right? Who mm-hmm. go back and forth, and their movement is a sign of disorder. Yeah. erratic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Erratic. That's
2: really
3: interesting. Yes, and Sirius is, I think, the the brightest star in the it in the, the northern hemisphere. Yeah. So it's probably because of this. It's, if you take out the planets, Sirius would be the brightest star. But it's only visible during winter because it's near Cancer, so we can only see it in in the winter months. I would say, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's well, very very interesting.
0: In summer, in the Canicula,
1: so we wouldn't see it. But we have
3: Orion, and I think Orion is associated with Ahura Mazda somehow.
1: Mm, yeah, although it doesn't really—it's not really clear. It doesn't appear clearly in the texts. Only. Among the major stars, we have Sirius. And then right.
3: Sirius, mm-hmm. okay. And how?
1: What? What is the image associated with Sirius? Because the, the Greeks have the dog. The, the, the dog star. The dog. the dog star. Yes. Well, actually, the um, so the this Sirius is associated with different animals. It's supposed to take uh, three different forms: bull, horse, and human and uh, as part of his uh, of its um, fight against the demons of Mm drought but i mean unfortunately one unfortunate trait is that we do not have um, um, many iconographic sources uh, on uh, zoroastrian cosmology we have Ironically, uh, well, I don't know if ironically is the right word, but anyway, uh, interestingly, we have traces of uh, the Iranian iconography and influence of Iranian iconography in much, much later sources than the Sassanian times. In the Renaissance actually we have, uh, uh, so the uh, Room of the Months in uh, the Ferrara, in the city of Ferrara in the north, that is a representation of the Deccans. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's influenced by a, actually, it's Influenced by Abu Mahshar's, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, introductory text to astrology who in turn was influenced by the Iranian representations of the Deccans <laughs> Is this yeah.
3: Stephanoia?
1: Yes, Stiffanoia, exactly. This palace, there are some traces. Of, so if you want to find, of course you don't need to go that far, but uh, you find clearer traces of Iranian iconography in well, some iconographic artistic documents that are so, so much later than Sasanian Iran, than from Sasanian Iran itself. That okay. is
3: interesting. Why would it, uh, in, in, so later, in, so later, yeah. and they yeah. would choose this specific iconography for yeah. Sassanian? Yeah.
1: Well, it's through um, Arabic translations, so um, Iranian, pre-Islamic Iranian astrology influenced heavily, mm, um, well, Islamic astrology. And so through Latin translation from Arabic we come we get some well, elements of that originate from pre Islamic Iran that are present even in well in Western medieval or, or early modern culture and the Palazzo Stepano, yes, is in point. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah it, it is fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. So um, and I was wondering since since you started at the beginning. What kind of astrological documents do we have? So we've been talking about, as you said, most of it comes from religious uh, writings, uh, religious documents. Um, So what corpus of astrological documents do you have from that period, which are more direct? uh, uh...
1: Yeah. And uh, so, well, the the corpus, unfortunately, what we have is very uh, small. We have basically Pahlavi texts that are based on Pahlavi Zoroastrian texts that are based on the commentary to the Avesta and um, well it's a corpus actually there are two or three texts that have a few passages so we in other words we don't have any full text uh, that is only astrological we have chapters here and there in religious sources that uh, uh, well reflect the integration of astrology in the religious corpus
2: mm-hmm.
1: then we have again one fragment that I've already met, that I mentioned before of um, uh, questions given by the king to the court astrologers in an epic text. And then Mm -hmm. we have a few lines here and there. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know, though, that uh, many other sources exist, like uh, translations of Dorotheus Sidonius' Mm -hmm. text, translations of uh, Vettius Valens, uh, translations of Theocrus the Babylonian, and that's actually the one, the Paranatelon de Canois. That's um, the Middle Persian translation of that Greek text is the one that was later used by abu masher and then it's used by pietro dabano sorry i'm using the the italian name and oh. that's how palazzo schifanoia you, that's why you find uh, well the iranian element in palazzo schifanoia through all this long chain so we know that there was a corpus of sources that was not at all as as small and as religious as Religious uh, Pahlavi okay. texts are so we have traces of that through again um, Arabic testimonies and mentions of uh, uh, passages. Plus we have so many uh, words of clear Pahlavi derivations in Arabic, which is an additional reflex of uh, mm-hmm. the popularity. Um, historical astrology, which is a form of astrology that aimed at predict right the future fate of dynasties kings Mm -hmm. was actually invented, invented, so to say, in Sasanian Iran and Mm -hmm. we do not have any, if you ask me in terms of corpus, unfortunately we don't have any real text that has come down to us, but we know a text of this sort existed in Mm -hmm. uh, Sasanian Iran. And these texts, uh, these
0: astrological texts which would circulate and which we don't have examples, would probably be in
1: greek would greek be the language or there would be there would be translation at this time already yeah, no no there, there were texts that were actually in Pahlavi, in middle persian and uh, many i mean early uh, islamic astrologers knew Pahlavi because they were iranians themselves and they could uh, translate it from Pahavi, translate text from Pahlavi into arabic <laughs> and uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well,
3: it is. It is fascinating. I think we could stay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it is.
0: It is. It is interesting to to understand these changes. I'm asking all these questions because it's not really a period that I'm familiar with. I just know it in very general terms, and it's interesting to 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 see this. Uh, what um what is interesting, and I've been thinking of other conversations that we've been having with with other researchers, is that. This period here, the, all this area, this geographical area in this period seems to be critical to understand how the transmission of certain ideas within the astrological corpus are made and how certain ideas developed and can have continuity in practice and some ideas apparently didn't and others ideas like, for example, the, the, the world, the history, uh, the, the astrological history Seem to appear
1: and at, at this adopted. period and yeah. are
0: highly adopted yes. and have a long history from then. So it is sort of a, a critical point uh, in history. This mixture, this this transmission and this processing uh, of of, um, of yeah. astrological materials to understand exactly how does it change from uh, the, the the classical period, then the combination with the the all the, the old Hindu influences, and how that does yeah. that cross and creates. What we the, the astrological doctrine that we'll see then in Arabic periods and, and later in Latin uh, transmission
3: and yet uh, although it is like a hub where everything seems to go through this area but at the same time from what you're saying mm-hmm. uh, I I at least I had the idea that it has its own personality also it is like a, a hub of everything but okay. also. It manages to have its own personality and correct me if i'm wrong absolutely
1: absolutely yeah well again i've mentioned i mean historical astrology but even the first the notion that i've spent more words on that is this the horoscope of the world is an original creation after all because okay the the notion of horoscope of the world comes from um the from from the classical word then the structure uh, of the plan, the, the hor- uh, a horoscope with all planets in exaltation was first introduced in India, but then Iranians combine it and they create a completely new horoscope. But uh, then I could continue, there are so many other notions that were introduced uh, in Iran. And the, the iconography of the decans that we find later represented is uh, something that was added by Sasanian astrologers. Uh, The translations, we have some uh, translations of, so the, we do not have, unfortunately, the translations of Vettius and of Dorotheus uh, in Pahlavi, but then we have fragments or in the case of Dorotheus, the whole text that allow us to see how many modifications were Mm -hmm. in all likelihood made in Sasanian Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, because an original system of uh, beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, have
3: their own personality, uh, and th- they were like drinking from different sources, and then they they created something that is exactly consistent consistent to their own uh, culture. Uh, absolutely,
1: that's. I would say it's a very, very nice way to describe <laughs> the, the contribution. Yes.
3: Well, I think we we uh, want uh, to to learn more, but uh, for now, I think we will uh, stop. Do, yeah. Do you have uh, any? Um, well, if you have more ideas, please let <laughs> us know, because this has been fascinating. Yes. Uh, we could stay forever asking yeah. you questions. Uh, otherwise,
0: Yeah. perhaps we will, we will, we will stay. Uh, we'll close the, the, the podcast okay. and with an invitation uh for another for another podcast where we can discuss other more specific examples and the 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 world uh astrology uh, the historical astrology because i think it's fascinating yes yes uh,
3: yes Uh, like officially we want to invite you for a second podcast sometime in the future where we can um uh, look at uh, for instance examples (laughs) or other ideas because this does not fit in one
1: podcast It does No, no. There are so many things I could have added, for example, I will just say one last word about how there are traces that in Sasanian astrology, of course not in religious texts, but there were also some, uh, in the same way as we have uh, evidence that planets were not always considered as demons by actual astrologers, we have also evidence that the stars were not only considered as good, because we have passages, of course, in later sources in Arabic, where there are evil stars and so that's yeah, something that's Aldo, awesome. yes. exactly.
3: like exactly. the the head of the demon halgal
1: yeah
3: which is not not a good star yes i was thinking about that when you said and also the other thing that you can uh, uh, you can address in mm-hmm. the future podcast is melathesia also mm-hmm. yeah absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. So we will say goodbye for oh, now.
0: And thank you very thank much you. For, for being our guest.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me again.